Good to see y'all again. It's such a blessing to be back home. I just want to say one thing. When she was singing that song about the goodness of the Lord and the mercy of God, uh, all my life you have been faithful, and that is so true in my life. Um, In my own life, I should have died several times as a teenage guy and way less brains than I had courage and brawn and <laughs> and uh, and then in my own family and just how the Lord brought me and my wife together and and um, after 34 years of marriage I'm more in love with my wife if that was possible than I was at the beginning and our relationship is so just close and strong and, and it's such a blessing it's such a blessing guys and uh, young men if you're out there you're listening by computer right now marriage is still worthy it's still a worthy uh, you know just thing to seek there are good women there are good girls out there that need a good man and that's the key word are you a good man because they don't want no bad guy if you're running and gunning and being stupid like I used to be stop as Bob Newhart would say in that little video clip just stop let's get this thing straight you want a good woman seek a good woman where do you find good women? Maybe take note of that. Where are you looking? You know? So I would just say that not because I'm boasting about my marriage. God gave me my marriage. God has been faithful to me and guided me through so many things in my life that when I think about it sometimes, I'm just amazed. And I thought about all the hard times and the bad places I've been in my life and how God was always there. And there's, that's truly what the psalm says. There's no pit too deep, no mountain too high, no darkness too dark that he's not there. David said, where can I go to escape your presence? I can't. There's nowhere you are right now or nowhere you will ever be that God won't be there. And I'm not telling you that as some hollow man that read it in the book. I'm telling you that as a man who has lived it. I've been in a pit of despair, devoid of hope, Understand what I just said to you. When we get devoid of hope, we're at the point to where we almost don't even believe God exists anymore. Because where God, there's always hope. Where there is God, and there is always God, and God is everywhere. But in my mind, I was devoid of hope, and it is the pit of despair, blackness. And he was there. And I'm here today because God was there. And I'm I'm here to tell you I've lived it. So if you're in a pit today, you're in a bad place today, all you got to do is cry out, Jesus. It doesn't have to be some eloquent prayer. You don't have to sound like, you know, Charles Spurgeon to um, get God's attention. God, help me. Sometimes I've just laid on my face so bad I just was groaning and crying, and I know God heard that prayer. Because the Bible says that the Spirit speaks to us with groanings that can't even be spoken in intelligible language. So I know in those times you heard me. So just take that to heart this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. It is your word that sustains. It is your word, Lord, that moves us forward, God. Your word is always moving. Always moving forward, Lord. It's always taking us forward, God. If we will just tap into your word, Lord. 
all of the, the, the things that are burdening us and weighing us down will fall aside because your word is light to us, God. Lord, where your, your word comes in, light comes in, the Bible says. Lord, you are a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Your word keeps me from sinning against you, God. Your word keeps me on the path. Your word helps me to follow the rules. When my life is falling apart, your word puts it back together again. You went away, you sent the Holy Spirit and the word, and he brings words directly from you to me every day. I have it right in front of me right now. Your will, your word, your perfect plan for my life is on this podium right before me. I don't have to seek it somewhere on TV or some helpline from some psychic that's a demon from the pit of hell. I can seek it in your word that's right on this podium in front of me, God. And you will never lie. You're not a man that you would lie. And you will never leave me astray. And I pray, Father, today that every word that Joel would say would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But your word would remain, Lord, in the hearts of the people. I need you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I was away training for a totally new career. Please pray for me. Men my age are not meant to change careers. Jobs, fine. Lateral, horizontal move, fine. Yeah, you know, we're talking about the specific gravity of sulfuric acid, acid as it relates to being suspended in water. Who knew? I didn't know. It's 1.98. Somebody, some scientist somewhere is going to call me out on that, but that's what I found. But in your battery, or in the batteries I'm dealing with, at about 1,200 load amp hours, scary stuff, because a half an amp will kill you, and... Uh, it's supposed to be about 1.24, so, um, you know, crazy stuff. And I'm thinking about all this stuff, and I had to travel to Boston, and I I'll tell you something. If you're an adrenaline junkie, and you just want some adventure, you don't have to go to the Serengeti plane. You don't have to go to the Amazon. Just fly into Logan International Airport and try to get a rental car. And after you've accomplished that and your heart rate settles down, try to leave the city of Boston. Yeah. And your adrenaline fix will be, you'll have it right there. That's it. Great people. Oh, my goodness. Wonderful people. Just nice. I, unless we're on the road. Going through the Ted Williams Memorial Tunnel. That's an adventure in and of itself. But going through the tunnel when people are passing you in the emergency lane is another animal unto itself. You know, I'm an old country boy. My biggest thing is worrying about deer and cows. I'm not worried about two Bostoners, one on each side in the emergency lane while we're doing 90 mile an hour through the Ted Williams Tunnel. I'm not used to that. And you've got to know your exit three days ahead of time because you're not getting over. So, yeah, I was a little verklempt, as they would say. It wasn't like butter, right? Great people need an interpreter, just as the pastor said. Yeah, it's like butter. It's butter. I'm like, oh, smooth as butter. I got you. Oh, it's wicked. Wicked. I'm like, that means good. Just in case you didn't know, if you're in Boston, wicked doesn't mean bad. It means that's awesome. That's great. That's, that's good, you know. So... 
Yeah, so that was something else. Uh, I saw, uh, I was staying about two miles from Patriot Stadium, Gillette Stadium. Wow, you know, even if you're not a Patriots fan, it's pretty impressive. But uh, right out in that area, it felt a little more like home. There's rednecks everywhere. Diesel four-wheel drive trucks. I was like, okay, this is better. Love Boston, beautiful town. What a little bit I got to see of it going by like this. But uh, Massachusetts, that area right there, uh, Franklin, Rentham, where I was at, uh, great people. A few rednecks that made me feel at home. So, uh, yeah, I just, that was an interesting week. Flew back in Saturday night about 11 o'clock. Uh, I didn't know they made planes that small to go all the way across the country, but we, we made it. So. Today I'm going to be speaking to you, um, the title of my sermon is The Spirit of Truth. A few weeks ago I got invited down to Western Assembly of God to preach to the Latino service by Pastor Moses Diaz. And uh, awesome, good, great man of God. He's doing a, a powerful work there. He's constantly in contact with his congregate. It's, uh, it's an intense, it's a whole different culture and how you approach it. And uh, it was such a blessing to be with them because, for one thing, it, it takes you out of your comfort zone. It stretches you a little bit. When we were in India, uh, Pastor Jeannie, she can kind of attest to that. They're singing the songs, you know, and you're kind of like, I don't have a clue what they're saying. But I get the gist. And uh, what's cool about them is they would sing the song in Spanish and then they sing it in English, you know. And how they flip back and forth between that, I don't know. I have trouble speaking English. And, and, uh, but it was phenomenal because I'm, I'm seeing this, the words in Spanish on the prompter and I'm hearing the song. I'm like, I know that song. And some of the words you can kind of pick up. So um, I spoke just enough Spanish to get my face slapped or get me in trouble. So I was like, well, okay, I'm not going to. I'm not going to speak too much Spanish. My wife was like, because I was trying to say, I think it was, was it Don Dios, Fuego, Fire of God, whatever it is. I don't know. Fuego, fire. So Dios, God. So my wife's like, it's best if you don't try to speak in Spanish. You're going to embarrass us all. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Listen to your wives. So... But I preached a sermon similar to this. It was entitled The Spirit of Truth, but it was taken in a different direction because of just of what God was showing me for the people that, there that day, that what they needed. And today, this sermon is based on the same verse per se, but the other verses are a little different. So if you would turn to John 16, or start reading verse 7. John 16, 7. Now, understand, Jesus is about to leave, and he's telling them that they're, they're, you're going to be really sad. I'm, I'm going away, and he's telling them that he's going to leave the Holy Spirit. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. So verse 7, and then we're going to skip down to verse 12. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Him. You see what he used there? A masculine personal pronoun to describe the Holy Spirit. Now jump over to verse 12. <clears throat> Jesus goes on to say, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now understand that salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are two separate events in your life. You can get saved 
and not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, get into heaven just fine, although it may take you a lot more work as far as struggling with your walk. I, I equate it for me. I'm a simple man, uh, a hillbilly from my roots. And if I was to tell you you're a logger, you cut trees. I give you an ax, you co-cut trees, you're trained, you're a timber man, you're cutting trees. And you do that for a while. You come back to me, I say, how was that? Well, I got some trees cut down, but it was tough, swinging that ax. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you this big old steel chainsaw, and I'm going to say, here, go cut me some trees, right? You're still a timberman. You're still a timber guy. But now you've got a chainsaw, and you're flying through trees. And you come back to me after a few days, and you're like, man, I have cut three acres of timber down. And I'm like, all right. So which one is more efficient, the axe or the chainsaw? Now, I get it. The axe never runs out of gas, but neither does God. And so when we're talking about, don't get offended. If you're saved and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Understand, those of us who are telling you that, if you're lost and you're not saved, and those of us who are telling you you need to be saved, we're just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. We're not proud. We're not up here. We're falling along, God, and God's right there. I'm going to catch you, man. Just keep moving. That's who I am. So when I tell you that you need to be saved and you're not, I've been there. I'm the beggar looking for bread, and I found it, and I'm telling you the bread's here. I'm not better than you. It's grace. It's mercy. And when I tell you that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life and you're saved, don't get offended at me. I'm just a guy that I got it. I didn't know I needed it till another man said, dude, I see you're a timberman. You're saved. You're cutting trees with an ax, but here's a chainsaw, Joel. And I'm like, this is mo better. Is that timber guy with the axe just as important and good as me? Yes. Matter of fact, he, he's working harder. <laughs> he's something. But it's a better way. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have it, you need it. It's a gift from God. All you do is ask for it. I can pray with you to receive it. Paul did that. Sometimes he laid hands on folks. Sometimes he didn't. Peter didn't touch nobody. He was preaching the gospel, and everybody in there heard the gospel, got saved, and they all got filled with the Holy Ghost, and Peter was just preaching. Pastor B can pray for you if you want. Lay hands on you. doesn't have to lay hands on you. Any spirit-filled believer can pray for you. You can pray for yourself and ask God, God, I want the Holy Spirit. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the endowment of power, and that's what I'm talking about today, the spirit of truth. Spirit of truth. He's not some nebulous cloud. Sometimes the world has given us a wrong view of what spirit is. The Holy Spirit's not some nebulous cloud floating around. Look at what Jesus said about him. Because he says in 12, I still have many things to say to you. The, The disciples, Jesus rose from the dead, and what did he do? He said he met with them, he breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them to wait, tarry, to receive the Holy Spirit. The baptism. They got saved. 
See, it's the law of first mention in the Bible where God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. And Jesus is just saying that has come full circle now when he breathed on them. And it was symbolic to say it's done, it's finished. Man has the ability to be a living soul again when he breathed on the disciples. And when you ask Jesus in your heart, that's what happens. Your spirit is made alive. It's restored again. But then he tells you to tarry and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the the Father. What John said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming that's here now, and I can't even undo his sandals, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's what we're talking about here. But they couldn't receive it all yet because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. There's some things you're just not going to understand and know without the Spirit of God guiding you. And that's what I'm talking about today. He says here in verse 13, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Masculine personal pronouns. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is the attributes of God. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, and he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. So don't think of him as some ghostly cloud floating around. You don't use masculine personal pronouns for a ghost, for a cloud, for a spirit. It says that when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. That's that's powerful. You're worried about the future? You're worried about your future? I'm not just talking about end times. I'm talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about next week. I'm talking about you're in Walmart, and God suddenly in the chest, hey, That couple over there can't buy the baby's medicine and their groceries. Go give them what you have in your wallet. He will tell you of things to come. I've had that happen in my life. And I'm like, wow. What is he doing? It says that he's not going to speak on his own authority. Whatever Jesus wants you to know, the Holy Spirit hears and tells me. Boy, I tell you, when I left Logan Airport, I wish somebody had been sitting in the car beside me telling me, turn here, turn there. I was fretting because this goofy phone that I don't fully know how to work yet is going to click off when I go through the Ted Williams tunnel, and I'm going to be stuck in there for the next six months. Because they do that to you, man. They don't tell you that thing may have some kind of interference. It's not working anymore. And you're like, oh, it's not talking to me anymore. I panicked because I was coming out of there, and I didn't realize I had it silenced. I'm like, this thing's not talking to me. Abby said this thing talks to you. I've heard it talk to Lori. I've heard it talk to Abby. I've heard it talk to my son. It doesn't like me. It's not talking to me. It's an inanimate object, man. You did something wrong. Always with the fingers. Always, right? I come from Boston. Always with the fingers. You pushed the wrong button there, Harris, with the fingers. You didn't do it like butter. I'm like, uh-huh. I got big fingers. I'm sorry. I was raised when we didn't need our fingers to punch on little devices. 
In middle school, you used it to punch other dudes. Lord, help me, you know. But here I've got a Holy Spirit that can guide me, and he doesn't care if I'm in the Ted Williams tunnel. He doesn't care where I am. There's nowhere I can go where there's too much interference that God can't speak. Nowhere. I used to, oh, man, when I was in the throes of depression, I suffered from clinical depression for 12 years. And God, you know, wow. And uh, I used to call it like I had broken glass in my head. And it was like the static on the radio. And it was hard to hear anything, you know. People are talking to you and they're encouraging you. And you know Charlie Brown's teacher, right? You're like, and you're sitting there like, you can be really good at faking, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah God loves me. Okay, you're having a nice day. You know, it's, it's, it's a bad time. But God could speak through. There was no interference during that time that God couldn't speak through. Some way, somehow, he spoke to me. It was songs and different things. So I'm just telling you all that to say the Holy Spirit is here right now. He came on the day of Pentecost. He has not left. We need the spirit of truth. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he is, Jesus said, all power is given unto me both in heaven and earth. I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I'm sending you to go do this. I'm giving you my authority, my signet ring. I'm, you're going to go. That signet ring from the king gives you the authority to pass through any roadblock, any obstacle. It gives you the authority to have any demon imp in hell arrested and thrown out. That signet ring from God, from Jesus. And it says that the spirit is speaking on his authority. He's telling you the orders from the father to go and do what he needs you to do without problem. You know, you're going to do it. What I'm saying is, he that has started a good work in you is going to finish it. He's given you the ability. The tools are here. Now, you can pick up the axe or you can pick up a chainsaw. It's up to you. You're going to get a lot more done with that chainsaw. The Holy Spirit's here. He wants to empower you to do the things you need to do. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Always the Holy Spirit points back to Jesus, never his own. He's not prideful or built up. Jesus gets the glory. But look at what it says. You'll read over that. He will tell you things to come, but he says that, He will take from what is mine, Jesus says, and declare it to you right now. All the things that Jesus has for you, the Holy Spirit's going to declare them to you. Don't you want that? Haven't you asked for that? Lord, what's your will for my life? Seek and you'll find. You're not going to find it on Oprah. You're not going to find it on Dr. Phil. Nothing wrong with watching a little TV, but man, if you're spending more time in that and you are this, guess what? You're not gonna, you're not gonna know what God has declared for you. You're not gonna understand because you're not reading it. Fifteen. All things that the Father has are mine, Jesus says. 
He said, he's given me all things. Therefore, or because of that, I said that he will take of what is mine, what is mine and declare it to you. So not only is Jesus saying, he's saying whatever is, is the Father's as well is mine. The Holy Spirit, he just said, is going to take from what is mine and declare it to you. That means everything that God the Father and, and the Son has is available to me through the Holy Spirit. Do you think you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit operating in your life? I think you do. I think you do. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all of God's truth, truth for everyday living, but also the deep truths of God, deep truths of God. If you turn over to, let's see, 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 2, start reading at verse 9. I guess I should turn there, huh? I'm still trying to remember how I got out of Logan International Airport. That's where my mind was. The deep things of God. And when I mean deep things, think about it. Why would God tell you you need to be saved and keep it some big secret? That makes no sense. The things for salvation are right here. They're simple. He's told them to me, and it's my job to tell them to someone else. But when I, my, now this is just Joel's heart, and what I see when I'm about to read these other verses here, the deep things of God to me are his heart, the things that move him. The things that break his heart, you know. The things that break your heart are the same things that break God's heart. It says that your life is written out. Are they not written in his book? All the days fashioned for you. He catches your tears in a bottle, it says. Do you understand when a man that's in the throes of clinical depression, and it seems like no one has the answers for him, they try, but their eyes would glaze over, and I realized really quickly it. They love me. They just don't know how to help me. And you find those verses again. And you've cried so much you need salt supplement tablets. And you read that every one of those tears are in his bottle. And in all of my days fashioned before, for me before time. It means I existed before time because I was in the heart and the mind of the Father. And he existed before time. Wow. Didn't know you were a time traveler, did you? Your brain just went right there, hopefully. And that, are they not written in, in his book? He has a book and your name's on it, and it's in there. That's comforting. That's comforting. The deep things of God, we can know them, his heart, the things that break his heart, the things that move him. Verse 9 says, but as it is written... Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. You want to know the deep things of God? How are they searched out? The spirit. What does the spirit do? He takes them, what is Jesus, the deep things of God, and makes them known to me. 
Do you need the Holy Spirit's baptism? You do. You need him in your life. The deep things of God are only searched out through the Spirit. Because it goes on to say, For what man, verse 11, knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man, which is in him? Who knows you best besides God? You. You. And my wife of 34 years. You know you best. The spirit in the man knows himself. You think God knows himself? I think he does. So wouldn't you want to tap into the spirit that knows what's the very heart and the innermost thoughts of Almighty God? His burden for the lost, his burden for you. How much, how better is it? going to be witnessing to someone knowing you have the Lord backing you up. I, I know you have my back, God. I know you're concerned with me and my worries. So that frees me to move forward and, and be concerned about someone else's hurts and someone else's worries because I know God's got my back. Do you see that? If I know God's got my back, then I can stop focusing on my stuff. See, that's an immature believer. A mature believer realizes, it's, look, it's okay. I've been there. I might be there again tomorrow. But I'm here right now today to tell you that when I realize and I grow and I mature in the Lord and I realize God's got my back, it's okay. It frees me to go out and focus on the lost and the hurting who don't know that. And then I'm tapping into the deep things of God's heart. And I'm saying, I ain't got to worry about that. God's got that. What's going on with you? And you sit down and you look them in the face and you're not like this pulling out your phone, you're looking them in the face, and you're saying, what's going on, man? What's going on? And you take and you hear what they have to say, and you speak to them hope. You speak hope to them. Hope to them. A match lit in a dark place, pitch dark, is like a searchlight. A speck of hope to someone who's in the throes of depression or anxiety or fear, darkness is like a searchlight, just a speck of hope. And so when we can grow in the fact that God's got my stuff, I can take that thing off and I can focus on their hurt. Man, see, that's what I want. That's what I'm moving to. That's what I'm trying to grow into. They need us. They need you. They're scared. Some of you may have been scared when all this stuff started, and you're not so much anymore. They were scared when it started, and they didn't have Jesus, and now they're more scared. They need us. What man knows the spirit of a man? What man knows his own? He knows himself. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So we just talked about that, right? God's Spirit knows. He knows his own self, and the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And he takes from what is his and gives it to me. He makes it known, the deep truths. Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. There is things that God has given to you and you don't know them. Right here, the Holy Spirit of God, you sat down with this book, and the Spirit of God, the author, listen to me. I like some poetry, you know, roses are red, violets are blue is cool. 
But there's a poet that some of you may know, and I, look, I'm not saying that I condoned his lifestyle. He's long since dead now, but Dylan Thomas was his name. And he's this crazy, well, he was, this crazy Welshman. And uh, he, he uh, wrote a poem, um, Go Not Gentle Into That Good Night. And so I, I love that poem because it talks about when his father died and how he was coping with the death of his father. And he said, Go Not Gentle Into That Good Night. Old age should burn in rage at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. The wise men at their end, no dark is right. Because their words fork no lightning, they go not gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And he talked about how that these wise men, they, they're smart, you know, they're wise. But at the end, they're fighting death. They're not rested in it because their words fork no lightning. They may have been rich and powerful men, but in the end, their lives really didn't change anything. All they did was selfishness, and they focused on themselves. And Dylan Thomas was talking about how that that's what happens to some men. Don't be that guy, you know. The things that are freely given by God, we can know. If I had, if I was reading that poem by Dylan Thomas, and I was sitting there, and I was like, dude, what was that? And he was right there with me. Explaining this, this poem, that would be awesome, right? Well, the author will sit right by you when you read this book. And you ask him. If we ask of God, we lack wisdom, he says, and he, he will freely give us. And he says he will give us with, without upbraiding us, which that simply means that when you ask God for wisdom, he won't say, what are you? Well, you're, you're no good. You're stupid. That's what that means. He will he will answer you. He will give you wisdom without doing that. He will say, oh, son, let me tell you the goodness. Let me tell you the mystery. Let me reveal to you what my heart felt like when Adam fell. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? See, this is where my mind goes because I'm a cartoon figure. I dream in color. Can you imagine being there when, when Adam's son's or his grandsons, rather, came up to him and said, Grandpa Adam, what was it like to stand in the presence of the Father? What was it like to hear his voice? Can you imagine what Adam felt like inside when he remembered those times and to know that his grandson would never experience the audible voice of God before he died? Why? I'm just saying, man, to have the, the author, to share his experience with you. That's what I'm talking about here, y'all. This isn't a dry, dead religion. It's living. It's alive. This book's alive. It's the heartbeat of God literally beating in this book. I'm telling you it's alive. Don't believe the theologians. They're overeducated idiots. They've taught themselves right out of belief in God. Trust me, I've dabbled in a little theology past 101 with an A minus. Professor told me he doesn't give A's. I got an A minus out of him. But I didn't ask him, you know, some questions he asked us not to ask him. He said, That's uh, Joel, that's, there's some questions that are um, coffee and eclair questions. I was like, Professor, what's a coffee and eclair question for God? He said, I got some questions that just aren't going to be answered in this life. And when I die, I'm going to walk up in heaven with an eclair in one hand and a coffee in the other. And I'm going to say, all right, God, please answer me this question. 
So I didn't ask some of his coffee and eclair questions. It's not dead. This book is living. It's alive. The author is living and alive, and he will sit there with you while you read, and he will bring things, revelation knowledge, the word of God. Let's keep reading here. The things that are freely given to us by God, we can know them through the Spirit. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual it's not the world's wisdom that says to be first, you must be last. That makes no sense. Get ahead. Step on somebody if you've got to, but bless God, you get, a, you get ahead. You get that promotion. I don't care if you've got to steal or kill to do it. Jesus says, you want to be first, man, be last. If you want to be a leader, be a servant to all. That makes no sense to the world. That's worldly wisdom. Spiritual wisdom says be a servant. Jesus taught his disciples that he was the rabbi. He had healed the sick and the lame, the blind, the halt, raised the dead, and he gets down, takes off his outer cloak, and gets on his knees, and he washes their stinky feet covered in donkey manure. Their feet wasn't like yours. They didn't have pretty feet. These guys walked in sandals. In the dirt, the dust, and the donkey manure. And he said, this is, you want to know how to be a leader? This is how you do it. And it's like, wow. The wisdom the world teaches is not God's. And the only way we can know God's wisdom is to the spirit. 14 says that, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned or understood. The world doesn't understand that. You're stupid. What? That makes no sense. But I can tell you one thing. When Mr. No Sense got ahead stepping on other people's heads, gets that call from the doctor that the diagnosis is bad, and he knows you're a believer with hope, I'm pretty sure he's going to look you up the next day. He's got money, but you got hope. It's a big deal. So it's, it's the only deal. 15 says, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. What does that mean to me? That means to me that the world holds no power or sway over me. Matter of fact, we hold power and sway over the world. That's what the Bible says. The world, we have dominion over this earth again through the, the name of Jesus. The blood, the power of Jesus in my life, the world doesn't hold sway over me. I won't be judged by them. God's my judge. I'm not talking about if you're speeding and you got a ticket. You, go, you get a reckless driving ticket, trust me, experience one time. Never again. Got a reckless driving ticket. Went before the judge. I was a 50-year-old man. I felt like I was first day of school. I was nervous as a cat. In a I mean to tell you, I got judged. He was lenient. Because I had a perfect driving record. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm talking about what we're doing here. We're spiritual warfare. The world's not going to judge me. We're walking forward in this thing, and we're not of those. There's no, there's no armor on the back, the breastplate and the shield, because we don't retreat. If you turn, you're exposing your back. What's our armor on the back? God. We move. God moves. God moves, we move. We're just this unit. He's all around us. 
The world doesn't judge me. The world doesn't hold sway over me. That's what I'm trying to get to. As a young man, the world held sway over me. My friends held sway over me. I'm, I'm, they're, you know, they're like, hey, Harris, let's do this. And I'm thinking, that's okay, let's do this. I do it, and they're like, are you nuts? They really wasn't going to do it. They held sway over me. The world doesn't hold sway over me anymore. Verse 16, for, he, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. We know what the Father's thinking, how, the direction he wants us to move and go in through the Spirit of God. We can have that instruction. Do you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You do. You do. You know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has kind of gotten a bad rap in some circles. So as Pentecostals, and we are, but in some Pentecostal denominations, the only thing that was focused on was the manifestational gifts, which would be speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, things like that. I'm not, look, that's all real. It's real. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that is most important. It really is. But it's often overlooked. It gets overshadowed by the, the demonstrative stuff, I would say. Um, I'm, I'm not against that. I have experienced that. Pastor John Kilpatrick touched me. He didn't grab me by the head. Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes I might grab you by the head up here praying. I apologize ahead of time. I'm just going to do what the Holy Spirit tells me. So if I mess up your hair, you can fix it. Um, sometimes the Lord has told me to not, and this is in my spirit, don't touch people. Sometimes I've touched people. Sometimes I've had other people touch them. I don't know. That's God's business, not mine. I'm not going to build a religious denomination over we're the church of the most holy head touchers. I'm just saying, man. God's not that persnickety. He doesn't care. Just do what he says. It's simple. Just do what he says. Don't overthink it. We're, well, what does, what does he say? Right here. Get the instruction. And, you know, John, we're up there at this men's thing, and if you haven't gone on a men's thing, please go. You, you'll thank me later. You'll love it. With, uh, Gary Henshaw still does our men's, organizes them. It's been a whole COVID thing and all, but if, if they start them back and you guys get a chance to go, go, you'll love it. But we're at one of these things, and John Kilpatrick walks by, and he's praying for dudes, and I think Pastor shared some of that. He's, I'm watching dudes falling out like boom, 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 boom. I'm like, mm-hmm. I braced myself. <laughs> I was like, ain't nobody pushing JoJo down. Kokomo is not getting pushed down, I can tell you that right now. If this thing's for real, then God will take my legs out from under me and drop me like a side of beef on the floor. But ain't no man pushing me down because I'm done with men. Let me tell you something, I'm done with men. Are you done with men? I'm done with them. I don't want to know what the man says. I want to know what God says. You told me I should do this with my life? Okay, that sounds, okay, I'll write it down. I'm going to ask, what do you want me to do, God? So I'm there, you know, and they're like, raise your hands, close your eyes. Well, I had them closed somewhat. 
I want to see how close this dude's getting to me. All right? And he's going to slap me on the head, and I tied my bow tie. Somebody stole my Honda, you know. And um, I'm, look, I'm not making fun. I'm just, that's where I was at. I'm, I'm just being real with you. This is what's going through my mind. See, Pentecostals need to get over being afraid of people asking them questions about stuff. That's strange. It's weird, y'all. Holy Ghost stuff sometimes is a little weird. And we can't be like, oh, it's not weird. Yes, it is. I've experienced it. But it's real. And so I'm all like, mm-hmm. he comes by me. He barely touched my shoulder. Barely. He didn't say anything. He went, and kept moving. I went, huh! It felt like an army mule had kicked me with both feet in my chest. And I went, Wah! I don't know how hard I hit the floor because I don't remember nothing. I laid there forever and a day, it felt like. I woke up looking at a bunch of dudes' butts. I was like, what in the world was that? He did. Somebody must have hit me in the back of the head. I said, I'm going to get up. I got rolled over on my belly. I'm going to do a push-up, right? I'm somewhat athletic. A push-up ain't no problem for me. I got about halfway up. My arm started going. Boom. I fell right back down again. I tried it twice. Finally, a good friend, Bob McCullen, saw me. (laughs) And he helps me up and gets me over in a chair. And I was drunk in the spirit, they call it, the rest of the night. I was the driver of the van. Someone had to drive the van to the Waffle House. They set me up in the corner of the booth, scooted in beside me so I wouldn't slide out. Let's get him something to eat. Don't know what he likes. Ah, he likes this, I guess. Next day I was fine, but I can tell you right now, is the manifestations real? They are. They are. But until, and they're awesome Ebenezer stones. I can look back at that the rest of my days. But you know what sustained me when it all went dark? And for 12 years, I suffered in a pit of hell and despair and darkness was this book. And I was reading a book by A.W. Tozer, and I got to the chapter, and it said, The Ministry of the Night. The Ministry of the Night. And it went straight to Bible verses. When you pass through the water, they will not overtake you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor shall your clothes smell like smoke, son. This sustained me. Was the touch from God and the Holy Spirit manifestation awesome? It was. But it didn't get me out of that pit. This word did. The ministry of the night. That book still has tear stains on those pages to this day. As my new Ebenezer Stone about what's going to get you through the day. Are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit good? They're awesome. But you need this more. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to enlighten you about this book. This book is what's going to sustain you. This book. No other. And the author can be there with you. That's why you need the spirit of truth. I apologize. Those things are still real to me and raw to me. And they will never go away. And I thank my God for sealed scars. 
healed scars. You know why? Because I've tried to grow and say, okay, I'm going to set that. Yes, you're, you're where I was. I see it in you. You see that? I was where you are now. God saved my life, and he'll save yours. Let me show you the way. Why did you get down in this hole with me? I've been in this hole before, and I know the way out. See, that's what being a believer and, and, and sacrificing is. I'm jumping back in the hole that I got out of because you're in the hole, and I need to get you out. I'm going to show you the way. I know the way out of here, man. That's why I jumped in the hole with you. See, the hole was opening is only about that big, and I can't jump in with all of my stuff on my back, all that baggage. I'm worried about me. No, God sustained my life. I don't have to worry about my stuff. He's got my stuff. I can lay all that aside and jump in. And no way it's holding me back and keeping me from getting in to show that person the way out. Much time. Okay, I see that clock from back here. Let's see. I, I totally blew off my notes there. Sorry. The mind of Christ. So turn to Psalm. Psalm 19. I'm talking about one of the most important aspects about the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the job that the Holy Spirit does in your life. And that is revelation of God's word, guiding you through the word, revealing truth. So when we look at Psalm 19, we're going to start reading verse 7. But if you look at the very first verse, it, you don't have to turn there, but it says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Now, that's the um, general name for God. It's El, E-L. And that's, it's used there at verse 1, but in verse 7, <coughs> it uses Lord which is actually um, what they call El, the nonspecific name of God, if you want to get into all the head-hurting theology stuff. But anyway, but in verse 7, it starts off talking about the Lord, you see, and, and that's the revealed name of God. We, get, uh, we say Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, all capitals. And that always indicates Yahweh or YHWH, the, the Jews, they don't like vowels. But anyway, so, and that's Yahweh. And it is the most holy, the sacred tetragrammaton, if you will, the Jews. It means he causes to be. He is the self-existent one, the revealed name of God. And so what's, what's important that you understand that is that from here on, he's talking about the law of the Lord the revealed law. Do you see that now? Verse 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It may say in your Bible converting, but it actually, the word there is restores the soul. So the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. What is it saying there then? If we know that this is not the general specific name of God, it is the revealed name of God being used. It's saying that the revealed law of God to you perfects or restores, it's perfect, and it restores my soul. You see? See, that's why a man can have head knowledge, but not heart knowledge. See, we're talking about heart knowledge. Jesus said, you believe? Okay, the demons believe. You know, basically, you know that God's word, 
Okay, but it's not been revealed to you. There's no revelation knowledge. That's what I'm talking about the Holy Spirit does for you. So what it says here is that the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I don't know about you, but I'm simple. I like some wisdom. Always asking for wisdom. Always. Jeannie talks about how that all through (laughs) their lives, especially in Bible college, Bernie was always praying, Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, give us wisdom. He couldn't have prayed for a better thing. This says that the law of the Lord makes wise the simple. I want wisdom. It's in the book. It's in the book. He goes on and says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. What does it say in Matthew 6, 11, or 6, 21? You don't have to turn there, but it says that where the treasure of your heart is, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this just told me that the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You want rejoicing in your heart? Put the word in it. Make this your treasure. Maybe if there's too much sadness in your life, your treasure's askew. It's not in the right place. Maybe this is the treasure you need to be focusing on, storing up for yourselves. Treasure that moth can't eat, the rust corrupt. It goes on to say that the commandments of the Lord are pure. Enlightening the eyes. Matthew 26, 22 says the lamp of the whole body is the eye. If the eye is good, or that means literally clear or focused, what are you focused on? You know, are you focused running to and fro? Are you focused pushing forward in your career? Maybe you need to step back. I'm not telling you to advance in your career. I'm just saying maybe you're spent too much time in that and you're kind of loopy about it. Back up. God, I need some clarity. I need some vision. I need to be focused. You're like a monster now. You have two heads, dual vision, because now your career has become your God, maybe. Maybe your finances. I don't know. Maybe you're having trouble raising all them kids. I don't know. I'm reading all the mommy self-help books. I'm not telling you not to. I'm just saying, back up. God, I need clear vision. What do I do with this child? You see? What do I do with my finances, God? Clear focus. Because it says the commandments of the Lord is pure. It enlightens the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. You don't want to be judged by anyone. Walk in the fear of the Lord. They may say things, but there's a difference in somebody saying something about you and you being judged about it. We've experienced that in our own family. Accusations made. But God says, no, my servant fears the Lord. No judgment will be passed. Boom. Boom. Court system. I set up the court system. I'm just telling you, man. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. He goes on to say, more to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter than also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. I mean, so many times God has caused me and my family to do something a little differently, and we had no idea. It's like, no. And then the outcome would have been catastrophic. God was warning us. We simply are trusting in him and following his commandments, his word. What does it say to me? (laughs) 
blow by my notes there. He goes on and he says, who can understand, um, no, where was I at? Moreover, the servant is warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. You know, when it talked about that up there in verse uh, 9, I think it was, it talked about in 8 and 9 about our treasure and things. Over in Psalm 119, it says that the entrance of your word gives light. If you're in darkness and you just don't know where to turn, the word, if, we, if the word of God comes in, light is brought in. It gives understanding to the simple. Psalm 119, 133 says, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. You want to live free of sin? Direct my steps by your word. I've hidden your word in my heart. I might not sin against you. Take me to your word, God. Holy Spirit, come. Show me. What does this mean in my life? I know what it's saying on paper. Well, son, it means don't go places where there's half-naked women all the time if you have a problem with lust. I don't, but I'm just saying. Everybody has problems like that sometimes, men and women. So if you're at that point right now in your life, the wisdom of God takes you to a scripture and tells you that, you know, Job says, you know, don't mess with the women. It reduces a man to a crust of bread. You're weak. You'll be crushed. You see? All right, God, how does that apply in my life? Well, don't do stupid things, son. Don't go to the strip club. Don't go wherever, you know? God will guide you in practical terms. It's not all, woo. The Holy Spirit's here to give us clarity, clear vision. If you have a problem with alcohol and you're trying to quit, don't go to the bar and eat your dinner. I, look, I'm not beating on you. I'm just telling you. You're, if you are having a problem with alcohol and you're trying to quit, God has put it on your heart to stop. That's between you and God, not me. I'm not your judge. I had my own things I had to kill. And I mean I had to put a double alt load of buckshot in them several times, kick them down on the ground, and boom, 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 that thing's got to die. Walk away, still moving, shoot it again. So I've had my own things to put to death. I don't know what yours are. I'm just saying, if that's an example, if you, man, I just, I want to give up this drinking. And you go to the bar, you don't order a drink, but you're sitting at the bar eating a burger. What goes good with a burger? A cold beer. Everybody know that. Why are you sitting there? You're not that guy anymore. You're trying not to be that guy. Go sit at the table. Why are you sitting that close? I'll go to Wendy's and sit in your car. I don't care. Whatever God gives you direction, he will tell you simple steps. He will tell you simple steps. There, if you're having a problem losing your temple, maybe there's some people that just push your buttons you need to avoid more than what you <laughs> that person pushes your buttons and you fly off the handle maybe you need to avoid that situation sometimes sometimes you can't I'm just saying I'm just saying there's steps that we can use practical steps the Holy Spirit will guide us who can understand his errors cleanse me from secret faults there it is there's stuff about me that God has healed in my life and you'll be like Alcohol, tobacco, 
I was like Pastor Bernie's testimony. I'd be smoking cigarettes and chewing tobacco at the same time. Whatever that nicotine. It's tough. Ooh, it's tough. Look, I cigarette ain't gonna send you to hell. Ain't good for you. Kill my dad. Kill my brother David. It killed my, my father-in-law, Papa, Papa Barnes. It killed my mother-in-law. Good people. Love the Lord. That thing had them. You know, it had me for a while. It was tough. That's tough. Alcohol. I didn't have a big problem giving that up. You know, but the, the tobacco thing was tough. Don't be afraid to come to one of us you trust and say, pray for me. You know, we try to put that out there like, oh, I'm so spiritual. I'm no. We're all beggars <laughs> looking for the bread, man. We've been in that hole before we know the way out. Come and let someone pray for you. Pray and ask God to show you who to go to. If you're that person and you want God to cleanse you from those secret faults, pray. Seek his word. He'll give you steps to do. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Presumptuous sins. I can handle it. I can handle that. I'm super Christian. <laughs> oh, you are. I'm super in love with God, and I'm super in love with the fact that he sustains my life, and I don't. I don't presume nothing at this point in my life. I go to God for everything. Y'all, if y'all listen to me pray, y'all be like, God ain't even worried about that. Yes, he is. My God worries about it. I'm like Brother Dan says, God loves you. Jesus loves you. This I know, but I'm his favorite. Dan's even got a T-shirt that says that. Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. I look, I know Jesus loves y'all, but I, I hate to tell you, Dan, I'm his favorite. Because I am. He's a big enough, powerful enough God that you're his favorite, and I'm his favorite. Jonathan's his favorite. Dwight's his favorite. Gabby's his favorite. All at the same time, y'all. That's good news. Because when you're the favorite, you've got his full attention. You're right in the face of the Father. See, getting the gift of the Holy Spirit is not about looking at his hands, what he has to offer me. It's about looking at his face. It's about grabbing that old bearded face and saying, look at me, God. Because if I'm looking at God's face, I can see his eyes. And where he turns his eyes is where he's going. And I want to go where he's going. I don't want to be where he's been. I want to go where he's going. And when I'm his favorite, I can see his face. And that's what I'm talking about this morning, the Holy Spirit baptism. You're his favorite. I got news for you, but so am I. He goes on and says that, um, then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. You know, I, we want to grade sins. In my life, I was kind of like the old hillbilly redneck good old boy sins, if you will. I don't know how you want to classify that. But, you know, and I know a lot of guys like that. It's like, man, certain things is just wrong. I remember talking to a guy one time. He had a girly calendar. So all the tool guys, I worked uh, automotive 
body shop. And the tool guys come around, and once a year, they'll give you a calendar. And so the one tool guy was trained. He knew. He'd come in, and he'd hand me a car calendar. He said, I know you don't, get, you don't take those girly calendars. I said, well, I appreciate you remembering that. Because he doesn't have to offer me that filth, and my eyes don't have to accidentally see it. You know, not my fault. And I have to do one of these eye-bouncing things they talk about. There's a book about it, guys. Get with me afterwards if you want to know about that book. But I appreciate the fact that he knew my testimony. I was a Christian. I'm not going to take a girly calendar. And um, some of the old boys had some, and they're, you know, and they're talking about it. I said, yeah, you know, I was talking about uh, girls being sex trafficked and the pornography industry and that. And in 2013, I think it was, I don't know what it is now. I haven't researched it. But uh, there was more money spent on pornography than all professional sports combined. Hockey, baseball, tennis, soccer, football, NASCAR. Name every professional sport. And more money was generated in the porn industry in 2013 than all of them combined. And it kind of blew his mind. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah. I said, you know, the bad thing is, is a lot of those images are girls that are they're trafficked into that. And they're drugged during these things, and they don't even know what's going on. Now, these are guys that if they knew there was somebody that had done something to a kid, they'd be the second guy there to do something to him. I'd be the first one. These are good men. Change that guy's head. Like, you could see him just like, what? Never thought about it. Just a good guy. You don't mess with dogs. You don't mess with granny. And you don't mess with kids. And you don't mess with teenage girls. What are you thinking about? Well, when you tell them that most of these girls are trafficked into these things and it's going on, it's gotten even worse now. Changed his mindset. Calendar came down after that, you know. It's a different mindset, you know. I'm not judging. I was just throwing facts out. We can be a light in a dark place. See, sins that I never would have participated in in that way, but you are tied to them. What are the roots? What I see here is not the big picture. The roots of sin go deep. All that's tied to the most. Look at Israel's history. Go do yourself homework assignment. Look at every time Israel went astray. How did it start? Sexual depravity, the cults, all of it. It's just all this sexual depravity involved in it everywhere. It was just terrible, and it led them to destruction, to judgment. Our nation, the, the nastiness that's going on, I'm like, Lord, are we going to be judged? And, Lord, if we are judged, fine, but let us learn our lesson and get it right. That was a side sermon. Sorry about that. I don't want those things to have dominion over me. I don't want to be a part of those great transgressions. Verse 14 says, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I remember reading that somewhere. What's coming out of my heart? What's in my heart? Or out of my mouth is what's in my heart. Now, I'll have to say that, you know, I wasn't living a compromised life, but sometimes, you know, I was in the, the, the throes of depression, and all these confessions are coming out of my mouth about how bad it is, and this is never going to end, and blah, 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 and what was in my heart? Hopelessness. 
So I had to start putting back in my heart hope. And then what comes out? So let the, med- the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, what are you thinking on? What are the things that consume your day? What are the things that consume your day? You know, the last day of training, and I'm up there on this, this lift truck, and it's 9,000 pounds without a load. And I've got this boom 20 foot above me, and I've got it blocked up, and if it falls, it's done. There's no, oh, I sprained my arm. No, <laughs> you're dead, you know, kind of a thing. And, and I've got that all clamped in there. And, and so what they do is you learn all this stuff, and they say, go over there in that room and do your module. And then they mess with your machine. They loosen stuff. They unhook things. They loosen the brake. They take all kind of stuff loose. And then you got to find it, and you got to fix it on a machine that weighs 9,000 pounds. And so I'm going around that thing, and I'm checking all this stuff, and I'm fixing it, and I'm notating it and all this. And I've got up there in the mast bolts that hold the mast to this 9,000-pound machine. It's right there in the front, and there's four main ones at the bottom, and it's 250 foot-pounds per bolt. Now I weigh a buck 60 on a good day after I've eaten Wendy's. I said, man, where's, you got a bigger torque wrench than this half inch? Yeah, the big boy's over there. Well, the big boy is four foot long. It's a torque wrench, four foot long. The head on it's like this. And I'm click, 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 cranking this thing up there. And I get it over there. And so the problem is, is that, and I say all this, that when we're distracted by our worries and our fears, we don't focus on the most important task. I was thinking about how the heck am I going to get back into Logan International Airport, drop off this car, and get to my flight for at least because I ain't seen my baby in a week, and I'm lonely. I mean to tell you, I was missing mama, and I wanted to go home if I had to walk nine hours home. And so I'm thinking about all that stuff. It's distracting me from the fact that if I don't do something right, I can die. And so I, I got that big old lug wrench, or that torque wrench on there, and I've got that thing, and I'm, like, putting everything in. And I'm like, please click, please click. I'm pushing off of the mask. And click off. I'm like, oh, I got it. But for a while, I just had to stop, take a breath, and say, it's, it's going to be fine. You need to focus on what's in front of you, Joel. And many times when we're in stress or whether it's school or work or things, all that stuff is running through your mind, the meditation of my heart. See, that fear, what are you meditating? Step back from all that for a minute. And meditate on God's word for a while. I'm telling you, that stuff will settle in your mind. I could focus on the task. I finished the PM, fixed everything like I was supposed to. And even had to ride it and put my life in jeopardy by riding it. Well, you fixed it. You think you got it fixed right? Then you test drive it. <laughs> I'm like, Okay. And we want you to make sure you got that brake adjusted right because it's 9,000 pounds. If the brake don't work, you're going through the wall and off the, the dock. I'm not going to be riding it, Harris. You did it. You ride it. Do you trust what you're doing? So I think that we can trust what God's having us do if we spend time meditating, the meditations of our heart, you see. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to bleed over in every area of your life. So when we're talking about um, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll just leave you with this. Not too bad. Okay. See, I've had good, you know, we talked about, Randy talked about, Pastor and I, 
And, you know, our leadership, I've had great leaders here. Many of you have been a leader to me, and you didn't even know you were being a leader to me. You just really didn't know. You think we got it all figured out. I'm, I'm, I hate to break it to you. We, we don't. But I've had great leaders, you know, and, and I've learned from pastors so much, more than I could ever even thank him for, and from you guys, faithfulness. I see people, this is the most faithful church and works and what you do such a blessing. It makes this thing function. All the people in the back doing what they're doing, the people in the sound booth and all the, it's like, what in the world? I go in and there's soap in the bathroom. Didn't just magically appear. <laughs> the paper towels are in there. I'm like, thank you, ladies. Because you don't appreciate that until you're there and you're dripping or you need some soap. I've had such good leaders, you know, leading by example. I've had good examples. So if I'm, if I'm any leader at all that's worthy of any good, it's because I've had good leaders teaching me. So thank you all very much to all of you. Finally, I would leave you with this. <clears throat> In John 3.16, I mean Luke 3.16, <laughs> John 3. In Luke 3.16, which goes right along with it because we're talking about salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 3.16, John answered, saying to all, Indeed, I baptize you <clears throat> with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's a baptism you need separate from water baptism and belief in Jesus. Salvation. And then in Luke 24.49, it says, Behold, Jesus said, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, he wasn't, uh, when John was talking, to, it was everybody around. He wasn't talking to the 12. The 12 hadn't been assembled yet. John was talking to everybody gathered around him when he said, there's one coming that's going to baptize y'all in the Holy Spirit and fire. So this, wasn't, this isn't just for the, the original 12 disciples. This is for you as well. Jesus is saying here that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, the promise of the Father. Wait here, and you will be endued with power from on high. I would urge you today, I can pray for you up here if you'd like. I know Pastor would love to pray for you. You can pray and ask God yourself to, to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I would leave you, that, leave you with that today. Stand to your feet, please. If you're here today, if you would love the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need Jesus. You need to be saved. If you're not saved, if you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, you can do that today. We've all been here. The, the ground's level is this podium right here, this, this altar at the foot of the cross. There's no smart, good, big me up here. It's just sinners that are in need of mercy. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That's me. And the wages of that sin in Romans 6.23 is death. That means wages. I've been storing up a payday that's coming someday. It's coming. I'm going to get paid for the sin, the wages. And the wages of that sin is death. 
But the gift of God's eternal life, if you're here today and you've never made that commitment to Jesus, you need to do that. You need to come seek me out or you can do it right where you are. Seek out a believer and say, I just want to ask Jesus in my heart. All you're doing, man, is just ABC, admit, believe, and confess. I'm admitting I'm a sinner. I believe you, Jesus. You died for my sin, and I'm going to confess that. I believe in you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. It's that easy. ABC, admit, believe, and confess. And then ask the Father for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. There's nothing outside of that you need to do. It's a free gift. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth. If I'm sitting at home by myself in, 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 at my desk, you're there. I'm never alone, Lord. There's never a time in my life where I have ever been alone. Before time began, Lord, I was in your heart. So even before time, I was never alone. Before I even existed, I was never alone by the declaration of your own word, God. So, Father, right now, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for mercy, Lord. Lord, of all the things I could ask for from you, it's mercy, God. Your mercy, Lord. When we look at the, the, the revelation of, of Ezekiel, Lord, and, and, and Isaiah, and they saw it in John, and they saw you on your throne, the first color they saw was green. Green is the color of mercy, emeralds. Lord, before we ever get to the wrath, God, there's mercy. There's mercy today if you've fallen on your face and you've never accepted the Lord Jesus in your heart. There's mercy today. If you've accepted him and you've gone astray, there's mercy today. There's mercy in this house for you today. Above all things, you need mercy. Give your people mercy today. God, I pray for the blessing, the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit come upon them. Baptism of the Holy Spirit today to all those who would want it. To all who ask for it, God, give it to them, Lord. Bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.